and welcome back to another podcast episode of Car Sales 101. I just want to make sure this thing is recording all the way through. All right, it is. All right, so real quick, um, this podcast episode um, is brought to you by, in part, by me and only me. Um, but anyways, so before we get started, I just want to let y'all know where to find me on Facebook, Tony, S-T-O-R-I-E. You can find me on Instagram at TNTDad2728. Please follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to get this huge Instagram following. In fact, I think I might do a, a video here shortly. Uh, but the other thing is you can follow me on um, LinkedIn, Tony, in parentheses, Anthony, last name, story. All right. So other thing is just a little bit of house cleaning. Please give me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. Please share this with as many people as you can so they can get the information in their hands too. All right. Man. I got a lot to talk about. Well, I don't have a lot to talk about. I do have a little bit to talk about. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I think is going on in the market right now. And then this episode tip is mainly going to be about um, selling a pre-owned vehicle. Uh, And the reason why is because I see this so many times in the car business that uh, people sell pre-owned vehicles, but they really don't know how to. And to me, I think they're one of the easier vehicles to sell. Okay. So before we get started... I don't know if it's just y'all. Like I said, I believe in abundance. I believe in you know being positive and staying motivated. But if it's me, then let me know. But it seems like in the car business, because I live in Houston, so when we see stuff hit, it really hits hard. But I'm almost seeing a complete slowdown in the new car market. And I don't know. It might just be me. Uh, it's it's happening. I think in the city of Houston. Um, quite rapidly. No, the only reason why is I think a little bit has to do with the hurricane, but I also think that manufacturers have um, pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed so hard that um, they've almost caught themselves in an issue of that, you know, having to do 84-month terms, having to do just crazy, crazy stuff in order to get uh, buyers to buy their cars, and that's just been kind of a weird thing that's been sitting on my mind. So, anyways enough about that i just wanted to see what y'all's thoughts on that were so another thing i did i put it on facebook some of y'all that are listening might have seen it i had two customers as of recently come into the dealership and we try to sell them new cars now with those new cars they were asking for such crazy discounts that it just is it doesn't even make any sense but the one thing i've noticed is that <clears throat> You know, they talk about you're not doing enough to earn my business, which is customer service, but yet you're wanting me to give you this discounted price that doesn't even exist. And that's the one thing that's kind of been hitting key with me. You know, and I, I propose this question and everybody is going to agree with me. What do you what do you want more price or customer service? And everybody at the end of the day is going to say, I want customer service. You have that small, very off few that, you know, have that five percent that don't want customer service and they're all about price, but just think about it this way. If ever, anybody here has ever eaten a Chick-fil-A or gotten a drink at Starbucks, and I'm not saying Starbucks is the, the epitome of it, but Chick-fil-A typically is, is that customer service is at the epitome of their business. That means that they care more about the service, the buying experience, than they care about the price of their, of their um, uh, product that they're offering. I just say that because you know, we sit there and in today's market, your consumer has become so smart about purchasing vehicles, allegedly, that they come in there and if you don't meet their demands, they want to sit there and sue you and tell you you don't want to earn their business and all that good stuff. And that's not necessarily true. 
um, the thing is, well, not sue you, but they feel like you're not doing enough to earn their business or they feel like, you know, you're not being honest and stuff like that. And that's not the case. It's just that one thing is that the consumers educated themselves so much that they think that they know more than you do. And I, I kind of referenced this to when I, when I was talking to one of my uh, managers and my salespeople, I said, look, you know, you have customers that come in here and buy vehicles every two to three years, some maybe five to six, seven years. And for them to come in and you've been in the car business eight, nine, 10 years, and them to tell you that you don't know necessarily know what you're doing in the car business, well, you're not doing enough to earn my business, you're not giving me enough for my trade, and they have nothing to reference it to, they just kind of violate and disrespect the fact that you've spent this whole entire time learning the business itself. And that's one of the things I really take personal. I've been taking it personal lately, but that's what I'm trying to say, guys. You know, when I talked about being obsessed with your business lately, or obsessed with sales, that's what I meant, exactly that, being so obsessed with sales that you do get offended, um, but not in a bad way, but you do get offended if a customer sits there and makes you such a ridiculous offer, like, man, I've been doing this for a long time. You can't tell me that, you know, this price or that price doesn't, that, that price exists. So anyways, that's just one of those things that was sitting on my mind. So let's get really into the meat, uh, the meat of the episode. So I've seen in the car business, people get into the, um, people get into it and they want to sell cars and you know, they sell new cars and used cars, right? Most of the time, most customers, most salespeople start on the new car side because it's typically the easier, easier and path of least resistance to sell. Sorry guys, I got to take a drink of water. And the reason why is because it's a new car. You don't have a whole lot of issues or whether or not, you know, the vehicle has cosmetic damages to it, you know, that it's not has any miles on it. There's just a lot of things in the new car market you don't have to deal with. But in the same fold, there's a lot, there's a lot of things you don't have to deal with in the used car market too. So here's what I kind of want to get into. In the new car market, if you sell new cars and you want to start selling used cars, or if you've never sold used cars and you all you've only ever sold is new cars and you want to start selling used cars, the one thing you have to remember is that every vehicle that you sell, at least in the state of Texas, is typically as is, unless it's certified pre-owned. And even at that point, an as is warranty means that the vehicle, the dealership does not warranty the vehicle. The dealership itself will not warranty the vehicle. Once again, the dealership itself will not warranty the vehicle. That's why it as is. Now they had to have a bat, a checkbox for warranty. Now that typically goes if the manufacturer is going to warranty that item. Uh, for instance, you know if your dealership does um, 90 day uh, warranties or whatnot, it needs to be spelled out very clear. You know in the powertrain and whatnot, and that's the key thing. So just be very very wary or very um, confident in the fact or know what you're doing is that every pre-owned vehicle is going to be sold as is no warranty, at least in the state of Texas, I can tell you that. But when a customer is doing research or searching for a vehicle and they get in contact with you, I would say in today's market, 60-75% of the customers have visited some sort of website that your vehicle has been on, whether it be Auto Trader, uh, Car Gurus, True Car, um, Cars.com. Uh, various various different other websites that they can do it and they've been there and they've noticed that your vehicle was here typically most customers don't show up nowadays 
and uh, just all of a sudden just start shopping for used cars. They know exactly what they're looking for. So always take that into mind whenever you're sitting there selling a used car. That is, that is customer does come into your dealership and that they found your specific vehicle. Because I'm going to get more into that in here in a little bit. All right. Now, <clears throat> with that being said, you, your manager should, we don't do it at our dealership and we should do more of this. We should do a trade walk every day on used cars. It's one of those things I wanted to get implemented at the dealership. Hopefully we do it, but a trade walk just kind, kind of allows all the salespeople to look over the vehicle and see whatever major or minor damages are done to that vehicle, whether or not you're going to fix those or whether or not you're going to um, just leave them as is. Because um, there's what we call in the car business, and I didn't make this up. I heard this recently. I wouldn't say recently, but I've heard of it before. But um, it was kind of brought to my attention again is there's uh, you know, a 20 foot vehicle, a 10 foot vehicle, and like a one foot vehicle. From 20 feet, it looks, it looks really good. The closer you get, the, 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 it doesn't look as good. Um, from 10 feet away, it looks really good, but the closer you get, it doesn't look as good. And then from one foot away, the vehicle's immaculate, you don't have any issues with it, and it's gonna be sold you know, at, at the premium price. So the 20 foot vehicle is something you're typically not gonna repair. From about 20 feet, it looks, looks good, but you're not gonna do any uh, major cosmetic fixes to that vehicle. So, rolling into that, when it comes time to sell that vehicle and you do do a um, service, well, I don't know, what did I say? A, um, when you do the morning walk on the vehicles, trade walk, you're looking at these vehicles and you're assessing them for what damages are going to be fixed and not. That way the salesperson knows what's going on. So when the customer comes in to buy the vehicle and you sit there and you price it from the original get-go, you're pricing the vehicle in its current state of uh, uh, whatever it is, you know, whether it has, you know, a fogged headlight, whether it has a, a cracked windshield, whether it has you know uh, multiple door dings, whether it has um, a gouge in the bumper, those are those certain things that you're probably not going to fix. And there's certain those certain vehicles are meant for certain customers. So whenever you're sitting there and you're taking a walk around with a customer, and the customer says, "Man, that has a door ding." Well, you know you did see the price on the website and it's priced accordingly. Um, but if we do have any room, I'll let my manager know. But I'm just letting you know uh, when we did a when we took this initially on trade, um, we we uh, we accounted for the fact that this that that door ding was going to be here whenever the next customer was going to take ownership of it. So make sure you're doing that. The other thing is is on CPO vehicles, make sure you're kind of digging deep into what needs to be done to a vehicle to make a CPO or qualify as a CPO. For instance, most CPOs, you can't have a cracked windshield. Most CPOs, you have to have two keys. Uh, most CPOs, you know, it has to have a certain amount of tread on the tire, uh, more than what a regular safety inspection would be done on a vehicle. There's just a lot of things you need to figure out and you need to dig into a little bit deeper. That way it makes you more qualified in it, okay? Now, let's get back to the point that the fact whenever you got a customer on the lot and they came based on the vehicle that they saw that you had there, okay? Like I told you, about 75, I, just me and my opinion, I don't have direct statistics of this, but about 75% of customers that I believe came to your lot, saw the vehicle on some sort of website, okay? Now, before we get into this, you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna do a little detour into the uh, Anchor app. So just give me a quick minute, listen to uh, this um, 
uh, sponsor that I have on Anchor app. I get some good details out of it, listen to it. I truly appreciate it. All right, guys, I am back with a vengeance. But anyways, not really, guys. The one thing I want to kind of touch base with you on is that that customer that came to you based on the vehicle that they saw on your lot, they, and I tell customers this all the time, customers come in and they want to negotiate the price. Now, most of y'all that live in a bigger city or that have groups that are next to you, whether it be AutoNation, Sonic, the Asbury Group, um, Penske, um, Group One, those vehicles, those manufacturers or those groups are going more towards a one price model. In fact, most of your dealerships or dealer groups that own you know one or more or that own multiple dealerships are definitely going to a one price model. The reason why they're doing that is is because of certain of transparency in the market. Now, <clears throat> I honestly think that new cars should be this exact way, but obviously you have a competitive nature. Which, if you did a one price model, um, manufacturers wouldn't do it. They'd get really too scared, and they would think that they wouldn't sell enough vehicles. In fact, I think they'd probably sell more vehicles because the market would eventually adjust and your trade ins would be worth more money. But regardless, the thing is, is that typically, um, most of these most of these companies realize that if you're going to sit there and sell a vehicle for a price, you need to sell it for a price of, um, for everybody. So that's where the transparency came into. You can't sit there and have customer A come in and then you're going to offer customer B a different price because of you know ethnicity, culture, nationality, or whatnot. And that's the same way it should be on new cars. You know, we should never discriminate when a customer comes in and buys a vehicle. All honesty, I think all vehicles should be hit up at MSRP. The reason why is you sit there and you give somebody a discount before you give somebody another discount, you know, whether it depend on culture or race. And, and I hate to say this, you, those of y'all that have been in the car business for a while, you typically will hit Hispanic customers up with a higher, a higher price than you would say an Asian or a Patel customer. And I don't mean that from my sense of uh, uh, how I dust deals. I typically ask the salesperson, where the, what do they think? What do they think the customer's thinking? And if I don't get anything, I hit everybody at sticker. Because the reason why is you never know what you're going to get unless you don't ask for it. Um, so, and I can just go off into a quick side note. One of my old owners used to go into the uh, sales meetings, and he would sit there and ask every salesperson for 20 bucks, or at least ask them for 100 bucks. And then if you couldn't get 100 bucks, he'd ask for 50 bucks. And if you couldn't get 50 bucks, he'd ask for 20 bucks. And if you couldn't get 20 bucks, he'd take it all the way to $5. And the reason why I did that, and it almost made the, the greatest example ever, is he said, you never know what you're going to get unless you ask for it. And he kept on, and he did that. And that's the thing. I think sometimes we sit there and we're in such a fear mindset of not asking the customer for the business that we don't sit there and go for the gold. And what you should do is go for all the money. And if you don't get it, then you work the deal from there and sit there and... Because when you work from the bottom, there's nowhere else to go. So, for instance, if you're taking $10,000 off a Ford F-150, there's really not a whole lot more places to go in the car deal. And that's what I'm trying to say is you don't have much negotiation room. When you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're taking out a first pencil, losing, uh, losing or you're, you're taking $10,000 off, 72 months, zero money down, and you're quoting them at the best buy rate, and that's the first pencil, you have nowhere else left to go. So, 
back to the one price business model, that's what I'm trying to get around. So when the customer comes in, they already know the price of the vehicle. And what they've done is they've searched it online, whether it be car gurus, auto trader, whatnot, and they've searched not high to low, but they've searched your vehicle based on uh, low to high. So that means out of all the vehicles that they were searching for, or if you had the most unique vehicle, they search you low to high, or you had the most unique one. And you know when you have a new unique vehicle on the lot, because you typically your manager will let you know. So that's one of the key elements. When you're sitting there and you bring the customer in, make sure you're going over those, those things like that, okay? Now, I would typically sit there and say, um, on an average walk around of a new car, there's certain hot, hot features you, you should hit. Now on pre-owned vehicles, you can't always hit those hot features, but what I suggest that you do is that you do, if your dealership does do this, um, we do do this for someone of the doo-doo. We do do this, <laughs> doo-doo. We do this for most of our, sorry guys, um, so we do this for most of our certified pre-owned vehicles and our, our, some of our used vehicles. Um, now with your certified pre-owned vehicles, you typically have to have a packet together saying that these items have been checked, you know, whether it be 172 point inspection or 165 point inspections, that those steps have been checked, okay? Now on top of that, you need to have a Carfax. And the reason why you need to do that is it builds some sort of um, um, credibility to the car you're selling. Now, don't be afraid to present a Carfax with a bad Carfax, okay? And that's why you, once again, when you sit there and you present the price, the price was adjusted accordingly. So, and it's just one of those things. Don't be afraid in giving the customer as much information as possible. Back in the day, um, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, even longer than that, we were always so afraid of presenting the customer with a Carfax because we were afraid that they were gonna devalue the vehicle or they weren't gonna buy the vehicle. And that's, that's not true. You know, Carfax is more uh, available to customers nowadays than ever. Old window stickers are more available to customers nowadays than ever. And that's the thing, when you provide that information to the customer, that means you're not trying to hide anything, that you're, you're giving them complete transparency in the buying process. So anyways, let me see how much longer I got. I got about probably another two or three minutes. But guys, you need to sit there and think as if you were gonna be a consumer on the other end and you are gonna buy the vehicle. Wouldn't you wanna know as much information possible so you can make the best educated decision? So, kind of to recap, you know, what's really going on and what I've kind of been talking about is, you know, first of all, A, if the market's been down in the car business, please let me know, because I'm, I'm really feeling it here in Houston, um, and especially on the luxury brands. Um, secondly, you know, make sure you're buy, providing the ultimate cu customer service. Whether it be new or pre-owned vehicles, please provide the ultimate customer service that you can. And, and be so focused and obsessed with your business that you do get offended when you get offered something that doesn't make any sense. Don't take it offensively in the fact that you need to get mad about it, but you would be offended by it and, and address that with the customer, not in a bad way, but in a way to kind of justify where you're coming at from what you do in the business. So next thing is, is don't be afraid to sell a used car. Just make sure you're being transparent in all things about it. You know, if the customer, if, the, if it does have a cracked windshield, if it has a little tre tire that's tread that's low, if, if the rims are scraped up a little bit, whatever it may be, don't be afraid to give that to the customer. And know that you did this initially whenever you first took it on a trade. You know, whether you did a trade walk or you sit there and you looked around the vehicle and you asked your pre-owned manager, hey, are we gonna fix this? And they say no, but we're gonna price it accordingly. Make sure you know, know that whenever you're sitting there and you have that customer across from you. Um, and then very, very, couple of other last things 
is don't be afraid of your one price model. If, if that's what you're going to do and that's the market you're going to into, don't be afraid of that one price. You know, I always tell a customer, and it took me a little bit, and it was brought on by my used car manager. When a customer does leave, sit there and say, you know what, we are a one price model. You'll find out that if you go out there and we're going to be a price according to market. In some cases, we're going to be priced below market. But what that means for you, Mr. Customer, don't be embarrassed to come back. Please come back to the dealership. If you come out there and find out that you know that we have the best price or the one price, uh, and, you, and, and you know that, that, that you're getting what, it, what is considered a great deal. So, regardless, and then also don't be afraid to tell the customer, you, know, you did come to the dealership based on you know, the search that you did and how you found me. And the other thing is, is once again guys, don't be afraid to be transparent. Give the customer all the information that they need. A Carfax, a repair order report on that vehicle. Um, if your dealership does allow you to do that without cost, I, I highly suggest that. Also, give them the uh, certified pre-owned checklist, okay? And don't be afraid to address situations up front with customers. Don't hide it for later on because it does you no good in the business, okay, guys? Because most of the time, managers will take care of some things, not all things. And always put it in writing. That's the very last thing I can say. If you're going to sit there and promise to do something, put it on a wheel and put it in writing. All right, guys, um, let me finish up real quick. Like I told you in the past, this could be the hardest five-figure business or the easiest six-figure business. So it's what you put into it. The other thing is, is um, you know, if you find information valuable about this, please share it with somebody with a private message, DM, text message, whatever you have to do. Get this in front of somebody that allow them to be, uh, to help them. And the very last thing is, guys, we all win when we all win. So like I told y'all, please share this with as much information as possible. Really quick side note. My son graduates from pre-K tomorrow, so that's why I'm recording this podcast earlier. But you know I love you guys. So if you do follow me on Facebook and Instagram, that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy my day off and give my son the time he needs. All right, guys. I love you guys. And you know what I'm about to say. Peace.